Eagles Entertainment. The journey to the draft is driven by AAA. AAA, roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 25th pick in the NFL draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duffy. We've got a fun show this week, and we're going to start at the very top with Mr. Relevant, where we've got Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. He's going to join the show and talk about really the next stage of the pre-draft process for his guys that he had down in Mobile. We'll put a little bit of a ribbon on the experience down there at the Senior Bowl, then start to kind of project who are the guys that could stand out from his group at the Combine in Indianapolis in a couple of weeks. After that, I'm joined by Chris McPherson and Ben Fennell for Draft Buzz. We're going to hit on a bunch of names here. We're going to look at some big boards, some mock drafts. We'll bounce around. We've got a lot of Combine information to hit on as well. We'll do that in Draft Buzz. After that, we've got Pick 6, where I've got a really exciting topic this week. We're going to pick six players that are going to be day three picks, most likely, that remind us of day one picks. So kind of some sleepers, some diamonds in the rough there we'll hit on in pick six. And then after that, draft mailbag. We teased it last week on the show. This week on Draft Mailbag, we went to your mock drafts. If you went on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, which, by the way, best way to give us your support, go on to any of those sites, wherever you listen, leave us a rating and leave us a comment. The people that did that with mock drafts this week, if you put your mock draft onto Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, you left it in there, we're going to break it down at the end of the show. So we've got a handful of those that we'll go through, and you can always do that. We'll always hit on it at the end in Draft Mailbag. But... That'll, that'll do it here for this little preview. Let's get things going here. We've got Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl. It's time for Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Well, excited to welcome back here to the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA, our friend Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. Jim, welcome back to the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. Yeah, friend, thanks for having me on. All right, so we, we're now a few weeks removed from the Senior Bowl. We've seen a million and one different recaps. We've seen practice players of the week, who earned the most money, who helped themselves the most. You guys did your practice players of the week. I want to ask you, just to kick things off, who's a player that we're not seeing a ton of coverage about, you know, in terms of the big winners from Indianapolis that, you know, based off what you saw with your eyes and what you've talked with uh, in terms of uh, your discussions with NFL teams, who has helped themselves the most from Indiana, or from Mobile that – we're not really hearing too much about. Yeah, first of all, I'd like to say thanks to all the people that did put out those lists. Uh, it's been it's been awesome, you know, uh, consuming all that. And there's uh, it seems like there's more and more uh, talk about the recent Senior Bowl than ever. So that's been awesome. Uh, but yeah, and you talked about pro- practice players of the week. Um, you know, we did that a little differently this year. We had the players um, vote on the position group they went against and practiced the most. So you know, wideouts voted on corners and and running backs voted on linebackers and uh you know all those things so they really meant a lot you know so some of the guys that that stood out that i haven't seen being talked about a bunch but were practice players of the week uh like jalen elliott from notre dame had an incredible week you know he uh he didn't have as good a senior year as he had as a junior uh, but came down to mobile and and looked like might have been the best db down here uh looked like he could play corner even um, you know, Josh Kelly from UCLA, one running back of the week. He helped himself a ton. He looked great. Um, you know, but some guys in Devon Hamilton from Ohio State is another guy that won practice player of the week for, for the North squad D line. And, and, uh, you know, he probably came into the week as, as a fifth rounder. And now I don't think there's any way he's getting out of day two. Um, he just, he's so powerful and, 
you know, just so strong at the point of attack. I, I, I don't see him getting out of the third round. But the guys that didn't get those honors, you're not seeing a lot of, is uh, Damian Lewis, the guard from LSU, I thought had a really, really nice week. Um, going back and looking at all the tapes, he's a guy that he, he's not going to fit for everyone. He's more of a, a man scheme guard. Um, but, man, he's so strong and he plays so square that, uh, you know, teams like the Seahawks that just want to come off the ball and move people. Uh, Damien's going to be a great fit for them. I thought he really helped himself. And then Reggie Robinson, the corner from Tulsa. You know, he's a six foot one corner and uh, really, really was consistent all week covering people. Really aggressive. Uh, you know, when they went live in team periods and then in the game, um, he's a guy that, that he covered people all week and then he showed a physicality that you feel really good about him projecting on special teams. So, you know, the guys that you're not hearing a lot about, I would say Damian Lewis and uh, Reggie Robinson stick out. Well, yeah, and you mentioned uh, a guy from the uh, from the defensive tackle spot and Devon Hamilton, who uh, came out and just had a rock solid week. And the next guy I wanted to ask you about was at the same position, and that's Marlon Davidson from Auburn. We didn't get a chance to see him over the course of the entire week. He had that ankle injury, I think, after the first day of practice. And I just remember that first round of one on ones. I mean, we saw him out at defensive end. We saw him at three technique. We saw him at uh, the one over the center. When you look at Marlon Davidson, he was a heavy defensive end at Auburn, and now it seems like he put on that weight. Now it looks to be more of an inside guy. How do you view him moving on to the NFL? I'm really intrigued by uh, what he put on tape as a senior this past season. Yeah, Fran, I'm glad you brought Marlon up. He's he's been a little overshadowed this year by what Derek Brown's been able to do. You know, both those guys could have probably come out last year. Uh, Derek was probably going to be a late one, early two. Marlon was probably more of a three or a four. Um, and both both helped themselves tremendously. It was uh, it was disappointing to see Marlon go down after the first day um, with that ankle. But yeah, what he showed in the in the day one was was pretty good stuff. You know, we we've been going through the tape, even some college tape over the last couple of weeks, and and Marlon really sticks out. Uh, he's he's really unique combo in terms of power and speed. Uh, you talked about his versatility um, playing at the line of scrimmage, but you know, really what where that matters most is on third down. I think in sub packages, he's a guy that can, can move around and be a mismatch on guards. And then I think he's going to shock people at the combine with how fast he runs. There was a play a couple years ago against LSU on tape where he chased about 70 yards downfield. He didn't catch the, he didn't catch the receiver, but man, he was rolling. So, um, you know, what this guy's going to be able to do off the edge and, and inside as a pass rusher, um, is really, really intriguing. I think, again, I think where he goes in the draft now, you know, late one, early two, I, I don't think he gets out of the second round. He's As much as Derek improved his stock this year coming back um, for his senior year, Marlon, Marlon probably moved up even more because he had more room to move up. But um, he put it all together this year as well. It's funny you brought up that play from LSU. I, I actually tweeted that play out uh, when I was studying the Auburn linebackers, like Deshaun Davis. They had a couple of those other guys that were uh, rising seniors, and I studied them that that summer. And Marlon Davis was just sprinting down the field after the ball carry. It was just a, a awesome motor. And I, I did I completely forgot about the play. And then somebody on Twitter, because you know the internet never forgets, uh, went and retweeted it, and so that made the rounds uh, when we were down there in Mobile. Marlon is certainly a very intriguing player. So, uh, Jim, we're now a couple weeks away now from the combine out in Indianapolis. So uh, I wanted to kind of make that next step now for all your guys that are making that transition to training for Indy. 
Who's a guy that you had down at the game that is going to shock people with how he tests? We have an idea of who like the top shelf athletes are, but I'm more interested in who are the under the radar guys that are going to test well that maybe people aren't talking about necessarily. Is there a guy on offense? We'll start on on the offensive side of the ball that stands out to you from your game that you think will shock some people with how he performs? Yeah, I think we're going to have a, a ton of receivers from this year's group test well. That was uh, that was really a focal point for our game this year was, was finding guys that can test and, and also play on special teams. That was uh, you know that was that was that was our worst position group last year in terms of getting guys drafted. Hmm. So you know we really we really focused on uh, the athlete and then the special teams ability. So I think Denzel Mims is going to fly the receiver from Baylor. I think. Uh, Antonio Ganey Golden is going to jump out of the gym with his gymnastics background. Um, you know, Devin Duvernay from Texas, obviously, 10 200 meter guy coming out of high school. He's going to roll too. And Devin's a name you're not seeing a lot right now, but, you know, if, if he pops a 4 2, um, like that 10 200 meter projects to, um, again, that's another guy. He's not making it out of the, out of the third round, probably won't make it out of the second round uh, when you're as productive as Devin was this year and run that fast. So, um, but really, the sleeper you're talking about, uh, a guy that might surprise people, Tyree Cleveland, uh, the receiver from mm. Florida. He was a, he was a late add to our game. You know, he was he was just sitting out there on the street. He hadn't been invited to one of the other All Star games, and when we had someone go down uh, and had a need there, you know, rather than bring a guy up from another game and and you know have the NFL get a second look at the same guy, uh, we went out and got Tyree. And I think that uh, he's you know he's big. He's six two. He's two hundred pounds. Uh, I think he's going to run in the, somewhere in the high four threes. Uh, he's going to he's going to smoke the forty and uh, and going getting back to the special teams part. Um, that's where Tyree really shined down here in all season. So um, I, you know I don't know where Tyree's going to get drafted. Probably somewhere later day three. Um, but when he when he with the time he's going to run at Indy and what he what he's going to do on fourth down, I think he's going to be on someone's fifty three man roster to start next season. I, I love the point you made about just the athleticism that's needed at that position for those guys to be able to contribute on special teams. Uh, you know, if you if you can't get down the field and cover, uh, it's not just like oh, you know, big stiff guy. Let's just throw him out uh, on kickoff coverage. You've got to be able to get downfield and be able to break down and finish. You have to have a level of athleticism. Uh, so I'm glad you brought up a number of those guys at the wide receiver spot. Uh, who's a guy on defense? Uh, who's a guy or two on the defensive side of the ball that you think will surprise? Yeah, um, couple guys. Darnay Holmes, the junior corner from UCLA, is a guy that, uh, you know, was nicked up this year. He's a junior graduate, so we, we could get him in the game. You know, his, his junior tape wasn't great, um, but you go back to 2018, his sophomore year, it was much, much better. You know, he had the big matchup with Hollywood Brown against Oklahoma and, and, and held his own and made some plays. So, you know, we brought him in, you know, one being a junior, we're always going to focus on those juniors if they're available to us because that's who the league wants to see. Um, you know, and then just some of those intriguing flashes from his sophomore tape. He had a great week down here in Mobile. He looked, finally looked healthy. He looked like a guy that could legitimately start in the slot next year for somebody. And, you know, talking to the guys out of UCLA, he's the guy that's going to run low to mid four threes and, you know, jump 40 inches. So I think Darnay is a name that's going to emerge out of that corner group. You know, right now that corner group's a little muddy. Um, so I think he's a guy that could really could really jump out. And then another guy, another really under-the-radar guy, another late-ass the senior bowl, similar to Tyree Cleveland, guy that wasn't in another All-Star game, is Azur Kamara, um, defensive end, outside linebacker, edge player from Kansas. Um, you know, 35-plus 
uh, inch arms, you know, 6'4", 240 pounds. Uh, edge guy, he can really, really run. And there's, there's one play in the senior bowl game. If you go back and look at it, it was Darius Anderson's long touchdown catch, um, that he took in the flat and took it to the house. And Azura was, was, was chasing from behind and he was chewing up ground. I mean, he was gaining on, on Darian, uh, on Darius Anderson. And Darius is another guy that can fly. So for, for a guy that's 6'4, 240 and runs the way Azura does, I think that, uh, He's gonna he's gonna open a lot of eyes. I think he's a really under the radar guy, you know, at least on Twitter and in the media. Uh, but the NFL is very aware of him. You know, I think right now he, he's mostly got fifth and sixth round type grades. But uh, when he runs, I, this guy could run four or five, and uh, at that height, weight, speed, he's uh, he's a really cool project for some team to work with. Yeah, I love those pl- those plays where you can see those guys in pursuit really just open up and you can see that speed uh, in the open field. Last question before we get you out of here, Jim. Uh, obviously, look, you guys are on campus all season long, so you're well-versed not just in the guys that you had down in Mobile in late January, but all these guys that are heading up to Indianapolis. Is there a guy just you know that we're not talking about now that you feel like is just going to get more buzz? You, you mentioned uh, you know on Twitter and in the media sphere that you know obviously teams are aware of this guy, but we're not really talking about him on the outside, and we will be in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'd have to say that guy's Colorado linebacker Davion Taylor. You know, when coaches get involved in the process, and they're just starting to right now, post-senior bowl and leading into the combine, uh, you know, Davion's a guy that, you know, has a limited football background, really cool backstory, you know, didn't even play high school football. He practiced, but for religious reasons, um, I don't think his mom would let him play in games. He's, he's from Mississippi, uh, went out there, went to junior college, went to Colorado, and, uh, you know, he's kind of a tweener. They used him at their star position in Mel Tucker's defense last year. So kind of a hybrid linebacker DB. And uh, he did some great things down here at the Senior Bowl with his ability to run and hit. Uh, really stood out on special teams. Again, just going back to track stuff, this guy was a 10-5-1, 100-meter runner last spring for Colorado's track team. And at 225, 230 pounds, you saw it on fourth down. I actually tweeted something out uh, last week about it. You look, at, you look at the kickoff tape from the Senior Bowl, and he's 10 yards in front of everyone. And uh, – you know, that not, not only does that show speed, it shows his willingness to run down and, and fly around and, and be a factor on, on special teams. So I just think when linebackers, coaches get involved and D coordinators get involved in the process, uh, you got a 10, 500 meter guy. He's probably going to run somewhere in the, you know, high four threes, low four fours as a linebacker. Um, you just don't, you can't find those guys. You know, you go back to uh, the old Parcells, Belichick, they don't, you can't, those guys don't grow on trees. And, uh, Guys like Davion that run like Davion at his size don't grow on trees. So I think uh, coaches will start pushing him up the board. Where, where, wherever he's at right now with the scouts and where they've got the board set around the, around the country, I think the coaches are going to come in and make sure that name's pushed up some. It's the, it's the old planet theory. Only so many guys on this planet that uh, have the, the skill set that that kid has. Well, Jim, always appreciate our discussions uh, here on the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Yeah, friend. Hope to see you at the Combine. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, well, let's get right into it here on Draft Buzz. We're going to go through the grapevine as I'm joined by the guys to my left, Ben Fennel, Chris McPherson. Uh, guys, the, uh, the combine information is officially out. So I want to get into, first of all, we've got a new layout. We've got the invite list. We've got a lot going on. So real quickly, let's just talk about the new layout. In the past, drills would typically happen in the mornings. So would start at 9 a.m. and go until mid-afternoon. Now drills are all going to start 4 o'clock and go well into the night until about 11 p.m., uh, 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday night's a little bit different, 2 to 7 p.m., but the drill's now moving into prime time. A little bit of a different dynamic when we make this trip out to Indianapolis this, uh, well, in a couple weeks. For the teams, it's going to be radically different. Yes. That's going to be the biggest change is going to be from there. And the NFL is trying to make it more fan friendly and expand it to a wider audience, thinking that they'll get more of a casual fan base by bringing it into prime time and putting it when the most eyes are going to be on television and their streaming devices. I think Thursday night's going to be interesting to see because that is typically the biggest night for television shows during the week. And you get the quarterbacks, you get the wide receivers, you get the players who the casual fan, the person who doesn't know much about the draft, but maybe watches, even if you don't really watch much much college football, you're going to know about Tua, you're going to know Joe Burrow, you're going to know those guys. Those are the guys who will be performing, except for Tua, obviously, Thursday night one. I'll be interested to see the ranks for there. When you get to the weekend, I love just putting on the combine, and it's if you're a diehard fan, you're watching it. Sometimes you might just have it on in the background, and if you hear like you know DK Metcalf tears it up with a huge time, you're like wow, and you get on Twitter and you're reacting and you watch it real quick. But it's kind of like on the on in the background. I don't know if it's going to draw people to prime time because I think back to the college football playoffs a couple of years ago when they had the semifinal games on New Year's Eve, thinking. It's the semifinals. You get the best of the best. It's going to be prime time. Who cares about the date? The ratings were in the tank. They were down 30, 36%. Yeah, it's not going up against New Year's Eve now. It's going no. up against XFL and you know, but whatever else is going football. on. But there's well, actual I th- football. I, th- I think that people will be watching uh, Derek Brown and uh, Isaiah Simmons running in shorts and a T-shirt as opposed to the XFL on sound. You, you will. It's, I think I think most people will. I I that would be my guess. I mean, we'll see. I mean, uh, the, it will be a different dynamic for sure. Ben, uh, you obviously have you've got your role at NFL Network, so you'll be a big part of that coverage. Uh, talk about uh, what your role is throughout the course of the week there. Well, firstly, Network. the other change is also it's moved up a day, so it's Thursday, yes, Friday, correct. Saturday, Good Sunday, yep. not Friday to Monday. Correct. And the prime time just gives people an opportunity to watch after work. Otherwise, you're competing with the soap opera watchers and Prices Right watchers midday TV, Fair point. which yeah. you're in no man's land. You're just putting on the background if you have it on at work. Um, but 26 hours of coverage yep. over four days, three days of seven hours, and then that last day a little bit shorter, five hours. Yep. Um, yeah, really excited for the primetime aspect. I think it's going to make it seem that much bigger. Yeah. Of, of an event and, you know, with the lights kind of dimming around the stadium and just going to, I think it's just going to feel bigger to the fans and the players on the field. I'll, I think it will feel different going into the stadium as opposed to like, all right, it's morning, everyone's got their coffee, everyone, you know. Like no more zombie their, walks from a hotel. Yeah, I'm no, sick of that. There's going to be, there's going to be more buzz. The, the zombie walks that I'll be leaving going right. back. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's going to be exciting. I, I'm very interested. Uh, for fans that don't know, we've talked a little bit about it on here, Ben. Uh, what is your role with the broadcast? So uh, two different capacities. So 26 hours of coverage. Yep. That means that's a lot of TV to fill. Yes. So that's a lot of prep, a lot of video elements, and a lot of work behind the scenes going into the event. So I'm going to make sure I have tapes on player breakdowns for Daniel Jeremiah. We're going to do NFL prototypes to show, you know, what's the ideal position in the NFL and what does it look like. And then also expanding more on our drill XOs. Yep. Explaining how the drills are used in-game in the NFL. And just trying to make more of a connection to what you're seeing on the field in shorts and a t-shirt to what you'll see on Sunday. And it does relate, 
you just need a little bit of help, a little bit of video, a little bit of analysis from yeah. uh, DJ and Charles Davis and, and Rich Eisen up there as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's always all the stuff that you put together uh, working in, with the rest of that talent. And then obviously in the truck, doing a lot of organization, putting together other, other video packages yep. of events that we won't show live. Sure. So the bench press. Yep. Broad jump, vertical jump, yep. things like that, that guys usually take a couple extra reps that it's really not good TV to show live. Yep. We'll package up the best jumps and, and show them uh, later in, later makes, on the broadcast. Makes sense. Yeah. The other big change from a team standpoint is the interviews. Yeah. Right. Because they used to be at night. Well, not just that, but it's cut down from 60 to 45. Yep. So it's 15 fewer players that the teams will get to meet with. Now, the interviews are going to be a few minutes longer. I think it was 15 minutes before. It's 18 minutes now. But that's going to be interesting for teams who might say, all right, I was hoping to get these players in to learn more about them, get the background information, to kind of cultivate that relationship. When you move it down the timeline and you're doing the top 30 visits where they come to the team facilities, are those interviews now going to be the guys that they missed out on, on the combine instead of maybe getting a second visit with a player who you really like but want to make sure that – everything checks out and you want to kind of like cement the fact that this is a guy that we want to have high on our draft board. So I think from a team standpoint, fans are going to be impacted by that at all. But from a team standpoint, that's going to be fascinating how they handle the fewer interviews. Sure guess on my part. It seems like the players are in town an extra day. So I wonder if they didn't want to overload the players and have them see as many teams as possible. Now the teams have, a, since they're in town for an extra Spaced day. Spaced out a little bit more. They've got, yeah. And there's more of an opportunity for them to get them in the informal interviews as well. So you can get them right. at what used to be the train station over there the informal stuff, now that they've got more of an opportunity to be able to get those guys in that kind of a setting as opposed to getting them for that formal 15-minute sit-down. Used to be a lot of late-night meetings. There might be a couple of breakfasts and coffees. There's going to be more of those, no question. Uh, And just really quick, spend 30 seconds on grasping what the Combine is about for fans. Because I think this time of year always gets misconstrued. The main purpose of the Combine to be created, streamline medicals. Yep. Rather than have a player go to 32 teams and everybody do 32 reports, let's get them all to one place, one report, and distribute it. That was the reason for the Combine's creation. Literally combine efforts yes. to be able to get you know, They used to have joint efforts board, of yes. like eight teams would work together and yep. other pockets of teams. Let's get it all together. That baseline was the reason of the Combine. Then we figured we're getting the players in. Let's start testing them. Let's work them out. Let's get their times, their jumps, their 40s. F- try to find a streamlined way to compare them. Now it's developed into an interview process as well. Yep. But just to grasp, I remember I asked you, and I think it's those three things, the on-field, the interviews, and the medicals. Yep. And in my opinion, I think it's about 40% medicals, 40% interviews, yep. and about 20% on-field. And I've really battled that to almost going down to 5% on-field. I love watching the on-field. It's what the broadcast is all about. It's what the conversation is all about. But it's really not what it's all about for the NFL teams. And I think it's important to kind of regrasp what you're seeing on the field and not get too emotional or high and low about what you're seeing on the field and why the NFL teams are there for the prospects. No, that's a, that's a great point. And, and next week, we're going to dive into the combine. That'll be like our full-on combine preview. We'll get into who needs to perform well, who's, you know, who are we expecting to perform well. Uh, we're going to dive into all that. Just so you guys know, we will have daily shows starting Wednesday, Journey of the Draft podcast, that Wednesday morning, all the way up through the following Monday morning. So they will serve as recaps for what we saw on the previous day. So uh, that Wednesday, the 26th, all the way up through Monday, March 2nd, we will have daily Journey to the Draft podcast. All right. 
All that being said, like I said at the top, the official invite list was out. So I think it's oh, it's like what is it over three hundred seventy guys, yeah, something, right something like that, 360 right? Three sixty or something. Yeah, that was like the three thirty. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so over three hundred guys. Okay, bunch of players left off the list last year. Thirty three guys that were not invited to the combine got drafted. So there's always some guys that man, I'm, always, I'm surprised always, this guy yep. this guy didn't get the invite. Uh, real quick, just wanted to get a quick. We don't need to spend too much time on these on these guys, but uh, one surprise snub, uh, the guy that was left off the list for me, uh, Kevin Dotson, a guy you and I saw live down at the Shrine Bowl, CMAC, uh, offensive lineman from Lafayette. He's one of the best players down there. Uh, rock solid strength. He's he showed improved pass protection ability. I thought he had pretty light feet in person. I was surprised that he wasn't uh, going to Indianapolis. His right tackle is going, and his running back is going. Right. Surprised that he didn't get the yeah. nod. I think that was probably the bigger snub. Uh, I'd mentioned earlier Chris Williamson, nickel. Minnesota. Yeah, that's a good one. Yep. Playing next to Antoine Winfield, who got the nod. Williamson didn't. Florida transfer, a lot of speed, good defensive back skills. Was kind of disappointing with that one. Also, running back Tavian Feaster, mm-hmm. South Carolina. Rigo Dowdle. 100, 100 meter champ. Yeah, Rigo, Rigo Dowdle is going. The other who actually uh, topped our buddy uh, JJ Ortega Whiteside in the South Carolina 100 meter final. Oh, oh, Ortega okay. Whiteside was fourth. Tavian nice. Feaster was first. Okay. Pretty impressive that Ortega Whiteside is even contending in the 100 sure. meters. Yes. But, um, just want to see Tavian Feaster run. Was a Clemson transfer. Yep. Went to South Carolina. Didn't really take off his career once he made the transfer, but a guy with a lot of ability that I thought we would we'd want to see how he runs. All three of these, uh, these guys at the Shrine Bowl for, uh, yeah, for, for pleasure. Point. I'm going to keep it going here. Okay, this player here, wide receiver. Understand it's a stack class. Yep. But this player has won just 13 players in the last two years to have a total of 100 receptions, at least 1,500 receiving yards, and 20 touchdowns. Wow. And some of the other names on this list, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, Justin Jefferson. Well, how about Louisiana's Jamarcus Bradley? Yeah. Savvy mm-hmm. route runner, extremely productive, you know, caught caught my eyes at the Shrine Bowl. Oh, yeah, uh, a good week down uh, there. At the very, very least, you get an invite, okay? Yep. Obviously, it's not going to have this, you know, burners to uh, blow past defenders, but that's fine. There's a role for him in the NFL, and surprised that he didn't get the call up, especially with the production he's had the last couple of years. Good numbers. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Giovanni Ricci is another one. Giovanni Ricci, another Shrine Bowl guy. Oh, the yeah. uh, USC transfer at uh, Illinois. Yeah, I, I good player. A few, a few names that yeah. certainly caught my eye. All right, let's get to some of the news this week. Uh, Ian Rappaport from NFL Network reported that the CT scan on Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback from Alabama, was quote as positive as possible. That the fracture had healed and his range of motion is good. Says we'll need another month of rehab or so. Uh, at least until he's cleared for football activities. That's pretty big. I think, obviously, look, the, the medical is going to be huge for Tua when they go out to Indianapolis, uh, how that hip looks. and But remember, it's not just the hip. He's had a long, long list of injuries, some minor, some major, uh, throughout the course of his career at Alabama. Um, the medical, though, that's a, good, that's a good sign as we get closer in Indianapolis for Tua. I think this will be the time period you're only going to hear good news. Yeah, that's fair. Why, well, why leak anything negative yes, from your camp? Right, you know? yes. Um, so you only want to kind of give those blessings of progress. Although, and, and if there is any sort of regression, yeah, why announce it? You know, type of thing. But a, a, a team, you, if you a team gets wind of that, no they question. could leak it and you try and always, get to a fall. You so. can't always control the control the noise. Yes, exactly. To me, I think that if you're an Eagles fan, you're rooting for Tua to be healthy as a whistle by the time we get to Indiana. So then that way he's a lock to go ahead of the Eagles yep. in 21. Just I find it so ironic. Now let's go back in time for a little bit. 2006, the Miami Dolphins. Being right. coached by Nick Saban. Right. Drew Brees, a free agent quarterback, mm. seems to be destined to sign there, has a medical red flag with his shoulder. Doctors don't clear him. We all know what happens. Brees goes to the Saints, transforms the franchise, becomes a Hall of Fame quarterback, leads him to a Super Bowl. Well, Nick Saban coaches Tua. I think everyone knows the Miami Dolphins are going to be very interested yep. in Tua. 
It's a different ownership, so you don't have any of you know the past people who were involved in that decision in 2006. But nonetheless, you just wonder, you know, what's going to come around this time. This could be a franchise-altering player. Will the Dolphins be willing to take the risk? It's going to be a risk because you mentioned it's not just the hip injury, and this is a rare injury. Yeah, I mean, this isn't just a an ACL and Achilles, something that players typically come back from. I mean, Bo Jackson's career ended with this type of injury. Thomas Tepay, an eagle spin, he missed football for a year yep. after dislocating his hip. So it's it's great that you know he's on the fast track to recover, and I hope that he's a high selection, and I hope that we get to see all that talent in the NFL. But it's going to be a risk for no matter who takes him, whether it's Miami or any team is going to be in that position. And you're looking at the top ten. You're looking at Carolina's going to be in that conversation. The Chargers are now going to be in that conversation. You know, it's it's going to be a really, really big decision for those franchises. No, no question. I, I think when you look at the medical resume of Tua, uh, it's I would say for a top prospect, it's not something we see very often. It's going to be a huge decision, especially uh, at the most most important position in football. All right, let's get to our uh, film room recap. Where uh, Ben, I'm interested to get who's a name that you've watched over the last uh, week or so that uh, has caught your eye. You want to kind of bring to the table here. So I've been knocking out all these safeties lately and trying to figure out who's a good day three value after, okay. you know, the Delpits and to figure out what uh, Isaiah Simmons is. And Do uh, you think he's a safety or linebacker at this point? I know I know your thought probably, was like months ago. I probably but... want him down closer to the box. Okay. All right. So let's call, him, let's call him an outside linebacker okay. right now. Um, really like the Lenore Ryan kid. Yeah, Kyle Duggar. Yeah, yep. interesting player. Okay. Um, but have you watched Geno Stone? From Iowa. No, he was a guy that actually popped on my radar last year at the Combine. Amani Hooker told me, oh, like, Geno Stone's going to be the guy him, next yeah. year. Yeah, This kid's really interesting. He's 5'11", 209. He's only a junior. And he's what I call a cover safety. Okay. So he's got coverage ability against tight ends, some sure. slots, with range. So he could play on the back end and be a center fielder or a half-field player. Really fluid, smooth pedal, loose hips, great ball skills. Anytime that thing's in the air, it's a my ball approach. He doesn't panic. Really tough in the alley, tough as a blitzer, special teams value. He's a turnover magnet. I don't know if he's a day two player, mm. but he seems like a day three Grant Delpit. That if you want that ball hawk, ball magnet, turnover machine, matchup player, kind of versatile defensive back, I think he's every bit the player that Grant Delpit can be for an NFL team. Interesting. Um, obviously, he didn't play for a caliber of LSU and you know things like that, but a guy that's Pretty highly touted, respected by his teammates. Sure. Um, I think he had a special teams award as a freshman. So he's a guy that's willing to contribute where he can. And he just looks re- he looks really good. Really good Michigan tape this year. Yeah. Um, and just a player I don't think a lot of people are talking about. But he'll, he'll be at the Combine. And a lot of Iowa safeties, typically you can trust in the NFL. Sure. No, they've, uh, they've certainly have, go- have gone into success. And uh, I think when you're talking about schools that have been pumping out players at certain positions, uh, LSU running backs have just been churning into the NFL. Yep. Dude, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like, we're not talking enough about this guy. I, I studied him for the first time in the last week. And, um, you know, watching them on TV, and you've seen them, you saw them in person. Watching them on TV, I could see, like, oh, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a player. He's going to play in the NFL. I thought more of, like, a role player. You know, could he be, like, an Austin Eckler, like, that kind of a guy? I'll tell you what. Like, watching him on film and just just studying him, I got a whole new appreciation. Like, Check every box. Vision, quickness, elusiveness, burst. People worried about his speed. I think he's going to run fine. Uh, make you miss, whether it's with wiggle, whether it's with contact balance, whether it's with violence, with vision. Uh, he's got the ability to make you miss in a number of different ways. He's an outstanding receiver. We know about the production mm-hmm. uh, as a pass catcher, but he catches the ball really, really well. Can be used in a lot of different ways. Good route runner. Solid pass protector. 
Like, what am I missing? Right. I'm not missing much there. And like, you made the comparison to Brian Westbrook. Like, I feel exclamation point, exclamation and point, and that's kind of run awful. Point, but like, I think Dane also, Dane Bruegel also agreed with the Westbrook. I've seen so many people compare him to Mark Ingram. And but like, I, I see and, that with the violence though. So like, if you only saw like, if you only saw like, oh man, like watch him run through a defender. You see the toughness. Oh, you see the build. Oh, he's Mark Ingram. But you watch more and you see how dynamic he is, and you see, he's more than Mark Ingram. You watch him run those angle routes, no and the screen, and the like little creative moves, and yeah. he's, he's he's like. And it's not a knock. He's his short, kind of choppy strides. No he's doubt. short. Yeah. He just looks like Brian to a T. The way he runs his route, the way his knees kind of yep. like buckle on his angle routes. Like, he just looks like Westbrook. Yep. He's a good, he's a really good he player. He gets hidden sometimes behind those big offensive linemen like Westbrook as well, too. And he's really creative. He'll go left, put his foot in the ground, look out to the right, and you're like, where'd he go? And all of a sudden, he shoots out the back door. He's going like, second round, right? Like, he's not, he's not falling to the third round. It's just a matter of where the pecking order is with, you know— Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins and yeah. and the other, you know, premier backs in the class that seemingly Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is just behind that tier. If he goes to the third round, some team is going to be really, really— like it's, That's where Westbrook went, but he was coming out of Villanova, not from the 15-0 national champs. Uh, that's going to be very, very interesting. Um, is, right. is there a team or a fit or a style you would like him Anybody. to use? Anybody. Like, I think any team that utilizes their backs in a way that they can get him in space, I mean, that's where you're going to get the most out of him is the you know those teams that will use him as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, but he'll be— he'll, Is he a feature player? Can he be a Christian McCaffrey? Or is he a gadgety Darren Sproles and just that offbeat I think, explosive I, I think he's element. probably closer to the latter, but I do think he might be even a little bit more than that. Uh, Which is what Brian Westbrook was. Right, that's right. what I mean. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like— you couldn't take him off the field. Right. Yeah. Hey, what, he, he, Clyde Edwards Flair. And just like away. you're saying, checking every box, show me show me an issue. Right. Outside of his height, like he's 5'8. Like right. outside of that. Am I running him on third and one? Probably not. Yeah. But dude, I, like his his vision is really good. Am I running really jet flip yeah. to him on third and one? Probably. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Am I going to throw the Texas route to yeah. him on third and one? Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's get to the next point here. And let's down let's, the field uh, catches, too. Yeah. Like wheel routes. I yeah. Know, dude, he, he caught a corner he route the, and the halfback sail. The sail yeah. route against uh, Alabama for a touchdown. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's get to our big board breakdown here. Uh, ESPN, their most, current, their most uh, recent rankings. Now, these, it, it, they're not really great at like showing, like, oh, whose rankings are these? Pretty sure that they're Todd McShay, kind of like uh, reading through Todd McShay's, like, uh, and listening to his podcast and stuff like that. I are get you a, playing detective? I kind of get like, a sense, like, these are Todd's, and it's, it's through Scouts, Inc., uh, which I know Todd has been a part of in the past. So um, these are ESPN's current rankings. I sent them around. You can go check them out uh, on ESPN.com. Uh, C-Mac, what's your big takeaway, having gone through that big board? I, I had two names that stood out. Okay. First one, I think he's just way too low. He, they actually have him listed as a guard, and it's Ben Barch. Okay, we saw him at the senior yeah. ball offensive lineman out of St. John's out of Minnesota. A lot of people, I think, wondered because of the low-level competition, could this kid play? He looked—he was winning one-on-ones against SEC pass rushers. Didn't look out of place whatsoever. And you and I watched ball. him in the fall, and we were watching the St. John's film, and we were like, "I don't even, like. What can we even take away from this? Like, right. we almost have to wait until Mobile." C-Mac and I were blown away. Like he. He was really, really good down at the same Like Gustavus Adolphus tape. Yeah, we right. Watching. Yeah, there's like bouncy houses in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's all kinds of stuff happening. So he was ranked as a 12th best guard prospect. Yeah, he was somewhere in like the 220, you know, barely made, made the list there. I'm like, this guy's not going to Right, he'll be last. higher than that. Yeah, he'll go way higher than that. The other player who I like also from his senior bowl was Josh Kelly of UCLA. He wasn't listed yeah. even am- among the rankings. They had mm-hmm. 20 running backs listed, ranked, wasn't part of that group. Uh, we liked him 
partially because he he said that in his bio at UC Davis, right. he's a UC Davis to UCLA transfer. So he said he'd be the perfect person to play Rocky. Oh. So I remember approaching him about that at the senior ball and, you know, just a, a great young man, you know, talked about how that movie inspired him, yep. you know, that he's battled through a lot of football adversity to get to where he is. So, but very productive once he got to UCLA, uh, hard, hard to believe that he wouldn't be ranked among the top 20. So completely off the list. So those, you know, my thing, when I go through these lists, I'm not going to sit there. There, there are certainly names. <laughs> there are certainly names that I see that I'm like, you know, I saw this guy at the senior bowl. I think this guy should be better than this. How's this guy ranked that high? Right. For purposes of this, I'm not I'm not going to slam those kids. I'm not going to slam the ones who are like sure. maybe are put too high because obviously it's someone else's opinion, and it just takes one team to think that way. I'm looking for the ones who I think are not given not I, getting enough love. Yeah, so, sure. so those are two who I would highlight from watch looking at the list. Ben, who you got? Just touching on Josh Kelly really quick. I like the teams, and there's two this year: UCLA and Michigan underperforming as teams, but tons of talent within the confines of those organizations. Right. And I think they're going to pump out a lot of NFL players. I think Michigan leads with 12 players heading to the combine. Sure, yep. UCLA, Josh Kelly, Darnay Holmes, Devin Asiasi, the tight end. There's talent here. Very much underperformed on the field. And it's yep. like a team like Texas six, seven years ago yep, when sure. they had Jordan Hicks, Quandre Diggs, Malcolm Brown, and they were awful as a team. But there's talent in those teams and on those rosters. And they're always fun to kind of pick through. Sure. Um, but two guys I keep seeing rising on big boards here and there, Jordan Elliott, mm. Ross Blacklock. Yep. Two guys that I think are late risers in the process, underclassmen or juniors right now, so they weren't seniors. And they just seem to be on meteoric rises once anybody gets their hands on their tapes. Right. Uh, and the second somebody watches them, they're pretty much consensus Top 50 picks. Yeah, it seems like every week someone different is bringing up Jordan Elliott and, and Ross Black. Why are they so show? late in the process, though? Why, like, I didn't, even me, I'm in, I'm in the college football. Yep. I didn't really know Jordan Elliott's name until like December. Oh, because he transferred from Texas. Right. So kind of a late arrival there at Mizzou. He's PFF's uh, highest graded run defender sure, yes. and pass rusher yep. as an interior defensive tackle. Yeah. And then Blacklock, obviously, because he missed all of all last year. Yeah, so, so he's got know, the injury, and, and he's a redshirt sophomore, and like dis- guy. disappeared for a year. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll tell you what, the one name, and I haven't done this guy yet. I've been. I'm, I'm interested to see your thoughts. He's flashed whenever I've done other SEC offenses going up against Auburn's defense, and that's the corner uh, Noah Igbanogni. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy came in 19 overall on this ESPN big board. He's been um, shooting up boards too. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I, I again, I haven't studied him. He delivered some pops yeah. on some ball carriers, like come downhill and lay a wallop on guys. Um, looked pretty well built, uh, looked athletic enough. I'm excited to kind of dig deep. Uh, next week is when I'll d- kind of dive into the secondary for the underclassmen I haven't done yet. Um, but Igbenogany is a guy that uh, is getting a little bit of buzz because he's not the only one that's talked about him. Uh, he's your, your big safety with cornerback skills mm. and like strong safety mentality and the nick- ball skills of a nickel. Does he move well? Yes, he's a really good athlete. He runs really well. On top of a bunch of other Auburn DBs getting some buzz, Daniel Thomas going to the Jeremiah combine. Jeremiah Dinson. Uh, Javaris, Javaris, Javaris Davis, Davis yeah. who's 5'9", 175. But yeah, so four DBs that are going to So the fast, long arms, good press coverage. Yeah. Uh, so a bunch of these Auburn guys that are seem to be late risers, just like those other programs, a little bit struggled in the wind columns and you know trying to figure sure. out their leadership and quarterback and stuff like that. 
tons of speed and talent on the perimeter of those teams. No, that's a, that's a good point. That's a, about Auburn secondary for yeah. sure. All right, let's get to the next point here. Uh, mock draft roundup this week. Uh, we're going to go away from NFL.com. We're going to go to the Draft Network. Jordan Reed put out a two-round mock draft. Great analyst, um, by the way. Yeah, no, Jordan does great work uh, over there for the Draft Network. Um, he's got the Eagles taking Jalen Rieger, the wide receiver from TCU in round one, and then Mississippi State cornerback Cameron Dantzler in round two. We haven't talked too much about Dantzler on the podcast, so excited to get uh, your guys' thoughts. Uh C-Mac, I'll go to you first. What are your thoughts on Jalen Rieger in round one, Cameron Dantzler round two? My thought on Jalen Rieger here. Yeah. Have you guys watched the All or Nothing with the Philadelphia Eagles? Yes. I think I'm through six episodes. Through six episodes. Yeah. The, la- the last two are phenomenal. Oh, really? Okay. Absolutely phenomenal. If you've, ma- if you've made it to episode six, you you deserve to watch the last two. Gotcha. Okay. So, so good. So, so good. Watching episode one. Watched it with my wife, Erin, last night. Um, I've already watched the whole, the whole season. And watching the Eagles' offense, when you have weapons like Deshaun Jackson and the offense at full tilt, I've said it before in the past when I've done radio interviews at other stations like previewing Eagles games, I've said Carson Wentz was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes. Right. And the first half of the Washington game in week one, the Eagles go down 17-0. I completely forgot that they were trailing right. by that yeah, deficit. Sure. But they made up the deficit no time whatsoever because you have the big play threat to go over the top. If you give Carson Wentz the weapons, and my, my thoughts here, we've talked about Rager on the podcast, and he brings so much from an electrifying standpoint to the table that if you give Carson Wentz the weapons, he can get the job done. And we watched the Chiefs go through the playoffs, and they had double-digit deficits. They were down 10 in the Super Bowl with eight minutes left and overcame it. They were down 23, 24, whatever it was, to the Houston Texans, overcame it in, in one quarter. Carson Wentz has the ability to do that. Just give him the toys to do that. So from a philosophical standpoint, I, I love the pick of just Ang because you need to fortify that group for him. Yeah, uh, Ben, I know you and I both like Jalen Rieger, uh, a guy that's got plenty of juice, can win in all three levels of the field, route running, yards after catch. Uh, have you done Cameron Dantzler? Uh, I have. And just really touching on Rieger and spinning it to what you're saying about Deshaun, it's the presence of Deshaun as well. And what right. I've been kind yeah. of saying now is, you want a player that's threatening. You want someone that's going to take safety's eyes and defensive coordinator's minds. And the second you took Deshaun out of the Eagles offense, it went from defending this to we don't have to defend as much green grass. The threat wasn't there. I love that line that you said. Having that. a guy like Jalen Rieger, safeties are looking at him. Defensive coordinators are worried about him during the week. You need more threatening players on offense. And that's what he does, mm. whether it's a gadget uh, you know, ability, whether it's horizontal speed, vertical speed, quick game, putting him into an offense is a threatening presence that I think this offense could use and need. And spinning us to the other side, Cameron Dantzler, joining a group of a bunch of tall DBs. And I said yeah. last week I'd be I'm really impressed Diggs. with Trayvon Diggs. Right. I take that back. He might not be a top 10 height in this cornerback group because <laughs> you got James Pierre, 6'2", Stanley yep. Oliver Thomas, 6'2", Stanford Samuels, yep. 6'2", Dantzler, 6'2", Lamar Jackson, 6'2". Now Diggs is 6'1 and a half, 200 pounds, he so no he's question. thick he's and broad. Yep. Uh, but Dantzler... I think he was a high jump champion or a long jump champion in high school. Really, really athletic guy that can play above the rim. Very much so. Long arms. It's easy to see the Kevin King at Washington. Yeah, I like that. Um, I don't think Kevin King's really fit into his role at the Packers, but as far as being a prospect at Washington, similar player. Long press coverage, ball skills, physical, physical player as Mm. well. Not only in press coverage, within the route, at the top of the route, at the catch point. Knows how to use his size, the long arms. 
Also coached by uh, former DB Terrell Buckley at yep. Mississippi State, pumping out good DBs there. Uh, really impressive player that kind of looks like the Russell Douglases of the world, but I think with a little bit more press coverage pedigree. I don't know if you've watched him yet. I think he's got. I think he's got some juice. I actually watched him in the fall. Tony Pauline had predicted uh, that he was going to not predicted, but had reported that he was going to uh, declare for the draft. So I actually watched him in like October, November. Uh, this kid's long. He's loose. He's fluid. He's an impressive player. I'm excited to dig a little bit deeper into him. I did like two games, I think, back in October. But uh, Dantzler is an impressive player. He's a guy that I think that, that value makes sense. I, and we'll see how he tests. He could go even higher than that. So I did a done. bunch of Mississippi State games last year, and I would always hang around the DB group. Number one, I would want to watch Jamal Peters because yep. he was enormous. And I always had a message for Terrell Buckley because uh, I'm buddies with Sterling Sharp and they had played together. And I don't know if Dantzler played last year or if he was a full-time player. I don't remember seeing him in the games that I did. Right. But I remember him in the pregame warm-ups. Absolute freak show-looking guy to be in a cornerback group. I believe it. Super, super long, long legs, long arms. He almost looked lost. You're like, who is this receiver walking right. over to the cornerback group? Um, but ended up being a pretty good and productive player this year. Came out as a junior. And uh, we'll be at the combine. We'll probably jump through the roof. Yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he'll be one of the guys that tests pretty well. Uh, as always, we'll look at the five guys that went before the Eagles. I'll just get a takeaway from each of you guys uh, from these five players. Atlanta at 16 took Caleb on Chasen, the pass rusher from LSU. Dallas takes another LSU star and Grant Delpit, the safety that seems to be a popular pick amongst mock drafters. Miami at 18 taking AJ Epinesa, the pass rusher from Iowa. The Las Vegas Raiders at 19 taking wide receiver Henry Ruggs. Jacksonville at 20 taking Florida corner CJ Henderson. My takeaway from those five guys, all those four teams leading up to the Eagles, so 17, 18, 19, 20, Dallas, Miami, Las Vegas, Jacksonville, it would not shock me if any of those four teams went wide receiver in round one. That's kind of my takeaway from this. It's kind of look because you know the, you don't typically see rugs to the Raiders at 19. I was like, well, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they uh, obviously they swung and missed Antonio Antonio Brown last year. They could use a little bit of juice. They could use some help on the perimeter for whoever's playing quarterback next year. Yeah, I could see them going receiver, but Jacksonville, you know, get get another threat for whoever's playing quarterback there. Miami certainly could use more threats with Devontae Parker. Uh, Dallas, if Amari Cooper leaves, could go receiver again. So all four of those teams wouldn't shock me if they went receiver in round one. Well, let's say our pick of the litter of corners are available. Right. Do you have a, a style or a size or a profile that you lean towards, whether it's a C.J. Henderson, a Christian Fulton, a Cameron Dantzler, so many different shapes and sizes and schemes and fits? I think it's just a matter of knowing. It's like wide receiver. It's knowing, all right, what is the skill set of this guy? Now let's play the way that we the best leverage his skill set. So, you know, C.J. Henderson, you, you understand you're getting a elite, elite athlete who is really long and can play the ball and can impact the catch point and is a solid at best run defender. Like he's not mm -hmm. going to be a, an enforcer on the perimeter, but you're making up for it with his man-to-man -man cover skills. Whereas, you know, you get a guy uh, like a Christian Fulton, who's a little bit different, a little bit smaller, a little bit looser, um, you know, can have some inside-outside versatility. I think it's just a matter of an understanding uh, what you've got there at the corner spot. It's Trayvon Diggs, again, too, is bigger, stronger, more physical, but doesn't have the movement skills of Henderson. Right. It's also the same with receiver. Exactly. Because you look at the guys who are coming off right after the pick there with Rager, where it's LaVisca Chanel from Colorado, yep. T. Higgins from Clemson, it's going to be what type of receiver do you want to put in this offense? It's more philosophical 
than just saying, well, who's the best receiver? Who's the on best the board? receiver? Exactly. exactly. Uh, good transition, C Mac. Which is the five after the Eagles. Uh, Buffalo at twenty-two taking Chenault. New England taking the center from Michigan, Cesar Cesar Ruiz, local kid from uh, from Camden, across the bridge from Philly. New Orleans at twenty-four, not taking Jordan Love. We typically have seen that. That's a popular pick. Taking wide receiver T Higgins from Clemson. Minnesota at twenty-five taking Jeff Gladney, the corner from TCU. Miami at twenty-six taking the Houston left tackle Josh Jones. Um, I think the, and that kind of I had my takeaway from that was Chenault going right at 22. Um, you know, I think again it just goes, kind of goes back to comparing Lavisca Chenault to Jalen Rieger to Henry Ruggs to T Higgins. Like it's not apples to apples. It's are all different. So to me, it's a matter of. What do you want to add to your offense, and what do you want to add to your receiver room? Because all those guys are different from a personality standpoint, too. Uh, understanding, okay, <clears throat> what are the separators here? What differentiates this guy from the, this guy from this guy? That's going to come down to who the Eagles ultimately select, whether it's at receiver, corner, D-line, quarterback, running back, doesn't matter the position. Uh, that's how those guys kind of get separated and tiered. I also thought it was interesting that the two linebackers, Patrick Queen from LSU and Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, are still on the board. Still on the board. board. Yeah. Even after the next five picks that you mentioned. Mm. So that's that's another position of, of intrigue there. No question. Uh, all right, let's get into uh, a, a segment I'm excited for. I'm excited for uh, our next segment here. It's time for Pick 6. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, so excited for Pick 6 this week, uh, this week guys, where we're going to talk about day three players who remind us of day one players. So look, obviously there's there's talent all the way through the draft, and every year there's guys that go in day three or maybe even early, late day two that I'm like, man, like this guy's got up there similar to a guy that we just saw go on Thursday night. Uh, ben, I'm going to start things off with you. Who's a guy that you know is probably going to go day three as we stand here today that has some of those traits that kind of remind you of a day one guy? And this is the best part of the combine is you, you no longer scout the helmet. Right. Because they're all wearing the same clothes, and you're really just looking at the movement patterns, the body movements. And this guy is going to look like a day one player. Okay. Jeremy Chin. Ooh, yeah, good one. Is going to look like Isaiah Simmons. They're both 6'3", thick, broad, long, play all over the field, load up the stat sheet, all sorts of ability. Where do we play him? Back end, middle of the field, down at the line of scrimmage. I just think he's going to move like Isaiah Simmons. Mm. He looks like Isaiah Simmons. He's versatile like Isaiah Simmons. And I just think he's a player with a lot of value. I don't see him going on day two. I just don't. I just think there's going to be too many receivers, running backs, tackles going and pushed up. Mm. He might be that Hakeem Butler first pick in round four. Can I say we watched? Uh, we were in the film room at the Senior Bowl watching receiver DB one on ones. He's matched up on receivers as a safety. Didn't look out of place. No, he did a nice job. And I know he's from uh, Southern Illinois or whatever. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I thought he showed up at the Senior Bowl and really contended with some of the elite tight ends and slots and yep. what, whoever was in front of him. See, Mac, what do you got? So I'll make my quick here. Sticking with receiver speed is a huge theme for this year. I looked at John Hightower of Boise State. Sure. Now. He's going to be taller than the prospect who I compared him with. And this prospect may not necessarily be a day one. He's probably going to be that late day one, early day two conversation. But we've talked a lot about him on the podcast, KJ Hamler from Penn State. And really, at the end of the day, it's just breathtaking speed. And it's different, look, different physical profiles, okay? 
Um, Hightower's coming about 6'2", but he's thin, lean, about like 175-ish. Um, but doesn't really play like a 6'2 receiver, plays more like a speed burner, but someone that you want to get the ball in his hands. And we saw them do that during the Shrine Ball practices where they came up with creative ways to get him the ball. Yep. So if you're looking for someone who's going to be a dynamic element, a speed threat, you don't want to spend the high first-round pick, someone like Hightower late in the game might be someone who could do the trick for Absolute you. Absolute blur on tape, too. But yeah. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah put up a couple clips the other day. Yep. Faster than everybody else on the field. He looks like that kind of eighth grader that's much more advanced in his Pop Warner game. Right. Just blurring past uh, secondaries in the Mountain West. And making the Hamler comparison uh, inconsistent hands as well. Right. Which is a good yep. uh, a good way to kind of connect those two. Uh, I talked a lot about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire earlier in the show. A guy that I think is like a poor man's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Benny LeMay, the running back from uh, Charlotte. Long, yeah. Built very similarly I think that LeMay is just missing that juice that I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has. Like, I think Edwards-Hilaire is going to run fairly well. I think LeMay, long speed and, you know, burst might be a little bit of a question with him. But built very similarly, has a similar skill set, and he's he's got wiggle. He can make people miss. He, he's a good receiver out of the backfield. Uh, LeMay had, was the MVP of the Shrine Bowl the, yep. during the, after the game on that Saturday. That's a guy that I, I think if you're looking like, all right, if you miss out on him on day two and on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire – who knows if he maybe he sneaks into day one? But if you miss out on him, I think that Lemay isn't a isn't a bad afterthought uh, when you get to the third day of the draft. Yeah, they definitely look alike with their yes. their frames and whatnot. I was gonna go with receiver because there's okay. a lot of day three guys that are kind of the catch point, long, lanky like T Higgins. Plenty of those guys, yeah. Whether it's uh, Isaiah Hodgins or Gandy Golden, but there's a lot of these big corners we were talking about. Mm. And Trayvon Diggs probably goes round one. Yep. But this guy from FIU is really interesting. Stanley Oliver Thomas. He'll be at the Combine. 6'2", 185, not as thick as Trayvon. Former receiver. Was actually a Conference USA all-freshman receiver. Mm. Then moved to corner, which I know is something we always love. Those uh, corners with ball skills and with just a natural ability uh, to find the ball. Physical, click and close, DB, 18 PBUs the past two years. Put on his game against Miami this past year. Really good game. Uh, but a guy with some size, some speed, physicality, ball skills, receiver pedigree. And he's got the size on the back end. Looks a lot like Trayvon Diggs, day three player. I talked with a uh, evaluator <clears throat> that had been through there uh, this year. I asked him, you know, covered the southeast. I was like, who's a guy that could surpri- could surprise at the combine? He brought up. Uh, oh, is that Stan- guy? Yeah, yeah, he brought up Stanley. I thought Oliver it was Thomas. Stanley. It's Stanley. Stanley. By the way. Stanley. Yes. Yep. Now, C-Mac, what do you got here? So going along the offensive line, guys who we saw at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. A lot of people think that Josh Jones, Houston prospect. I think the ESPN mock you referred to. I think he was a top twenty. Yep. Uh, ranked on that on that list there. So you figure he's going to be a first round selection. Okay, long athletic prospect. If you're looking for someone who needs a little bit more refinement, a little more development, but has that athleticism, that length, Alex Taylor from South Carolina State, former basketball player, converted to football. Uh, he's massive. He's six foot eight, you know, 310 pounds or so, but he showed the ability to have not problems with the bend. He showed good awareness with his punch, with the ability to fend off defenders, didn't look like a fish out of water whatsoever. So he's someone who still needs more refinement. Probably is not going to go, obviously, in the top 20 or first round or anything along those lines. Mm. But if you want someone with those athletic tools, Alex Taylor could be the guy for you on day three. Yeah, I like that one. I'm going to go over to the defensive side. Linebacker uh, Patrick Queen, the linebacker from LSU, uh, potential first-round pick. 
How about if you miss out on him? What about Akeem Davis Gaither from Appalachian State? Whoa. Undersized linebacker. Both guys have excellent sideline to sideline speed, uh, have that burst to close. Great athletes for the position. Uh, both are very, very light. Both are in the in the teens, maybe the low 220s. Uh, we'll see how they come in out in Indianapolis. I think the difference between Queen and Davis Gaither, Queen has excellent instincts and play recognition skills. I think Davis Gaither is just a step below in terms of what you would want there. So ultimately, I think that might be the big difference, but both have very similar strengths and weaknesses outside of that. But Queen, I think he separates himself with his ability to kind of just key and diagnose and get to the football. Um, but to me, that's, that's one that you can I separate some of those linebackers. I think Queen's a little bit of a forward linebacker, mm. while Davis Gaither's a little bit of I can turn and run and play deep like linebacker that. type of thing. I like that. I thought he was a little bit more fluid of an athlete, and Patrick Queen had that little bit more of a dog in him to mm. kind of go finish the run. Yeah, which I like. I like yeah, that. me too. Yeah, yeah. I like the guys that uh, have a little bit of that edge. So uh, that'll, do, that'll do it this week for pick six. Now, I think the moment a lot of people have been waiting for, it's time for Draft Mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, so this week on Draft Mailbag, we talked about it last week that we would take your mock drafts. If you went onto Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, left us a rating and left us a comment with your mock draft, we'd talk about it on here. And so uh, we're going to start with Desmond Harris, who left a four-star review. He didn't go with the full five-star. So we, I don't know, we can't I don't start know with a five-star review? Well, he was the first one who left the review. So, you know, I'm going to go in order. Right, it's fine. Desmond Harris left a four-star review. I guess there's something he didn't like about the show. But uh, he said, hey, friend, here's my mock draft. Trayvon Diggs, Alabama corner, round one. K.J. Hill, Ohio State wide receiver, round two. Kyle Duggar, the Lenore Ryan safety, round three. Van Jefferson, the wide receiver from Florida. Benito Jones, the defensive tackle from Ole Miss. And then Steven Montez, the Colorado quarterback, to round out the mock draft. What are your, what are your guys' thoughts there on, the, on that haul? Well, first glaring issue, I really like K.J. Hill, but the one knock on him is he doesn't have the long speed. He's going to be a 4-5-5 guy, possession receiver, tough yak player. But I thought the Eagles kind of need a 4-3 presence in the offense. People um, at Ohio State think he might run a little faster. I've heard that as well, but I don't necessarily see that on tape. And I just thought we'd look for more of a true burner at some point in the draft. I like Van Jefferson as well. He's not that kind of guy either. They're the same. More, They're going to be More similar. of a possession-ish yeah. you know, type of receiver. He's probably a 4-5-5 guy that gets open, can win against press, good receiver, good yep. red zone presence. Um, but not the style of receiver that I thought would complement what we already have here. People have made the comparison Van Jefferson to Terry McLaurin because they were both kind of polished route runners, not mm. super productive, went to the senior bowl, had good weeks of practice. Uh, remember McLaurin went to the combine, he ran in the four threes. Yeah. I don't know if Van's going to run 4-3. We'll see. Hey, I don't see that type of speed. But yeah. McLaurin, great rookie year. I, I do know. like the developmental quarterback yeah. late in the draft. Yeah. That's going to be definitely a position of intrigue for the Eagles considering Josh McCown's status is uncertain. Nate Sudfeld's set to become a free agent. So, And I love Trevon Diggs. Uh, I figured that's, that's right that's there. That's, that's why you picked that one first. Yeah. Right. I'm so. a believer of the late-round quarterback every year. The, right. the Ron Wolf, you know, the, the Mike Holmgren style. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Tom DS215 left a five-star review. Uh, said, heard Fran on Birds with Friends last Senior Bowl. Shout, shout out to Birds with Friends. And have given have been a dedicated listener ever since. Love C-Mac and Ben as well every week. Uh, my seven-round mock draft would be Xavier McKinney, the Alabama safety in round one. Ben, you talked about him last week. Jalen Rieger in round two. Logan Stenberg, the Kentucky guard, four-year starter in round three. Colin Johnson, the Texas wide receiver. Miles Bryant, the Washington corner. We haven't talked much about Miles Bryant, uh, Ben. McTelvin Ajim, the Arkansas defensive lineman. And then finally, Francis Bernard to round out the draft. Think you have to get two weapons in the top four rounds. So that's from Tom. Uh, I think the first three are absolutely home runs. I think Logan Stenberg... 
nasty mauling guard that would fit in great uh, with our style of guards here. I think can plug and play, left guard, right guard, maybe can even play some center for you. And why does he fall to the third round? Because of athletic. I think the athletic issues are the yeah. question why he wouldn't be higher. A little bit more of a glass eater type, yes. of, type of guard, but yep. that's okay. That's his profile. That's what he does. He plays nasty. And then working backwards, Jalen Rieger, gadget player, apparently ran an official 429 over the summer. Yep. Was on the freak list. And then Xavier McKinney, that versatile do it all defensive back that I think we're starting to look for that next era of safety in Philadelphia after Jenkins, after McLeod. You know, who's that young body working in there? And I think uh, we're starting to look to the future. And Xavier McKinney has been in a lot of round one uh, mock drafts. Speaking of round one mock draft, Colin Johnson, the Texas receiver, was in like everyone's round one mock draft over the summer. This is a big body kid who moves better than a guy who you would expect at 6'5", 225, 230 pounds. I mean, he moves pretty well. I'll be interested to see how he tests ultimately. McTelvin uh, Najim, yeah. I liked at the, at the Shrine Bowl, then got a call up late for yep. the Senior Bowl. Disruptive interior defensive lineman. Didn't quite, I think, uh, play up to his potential yep. at Arkansas, but for a late-round flyer. But with that being said, there are people that are huge believers of the high school rating go-back. Yep. Five-star, high recruit, never really developed his game. But that yeah. could mean he has a little bit untapped more, more in, the in the tank. Yep. And there's a lot of people that look at that kind of but stuff. Why, but why is that untapped? I think right. that's exactly. the question the that question. teams have to figure out. Yep. All right, so another one from Right Him, longtime listener, five-star review, said, by far the best podcast on getting your intel on the draft from the offseason through the season to the big draft day. I wanted to do my mock draft a little bit differently. I'll give you a list of players. You tell me what round they're projected to go in and what round you think they go in. Oh, so, all right, I like uh, this. LaVisca Chenault, wide receiver, Colorado. He's the first-round pick, right? Especially after Indianapolis. He's going to test like a freak. He's going to go round one. Right? I think everyone's looking for that next Debo Samuel, and if you want that next body, that's probably Chenault. He's going to test better than Debo, too. Yeah. Like that's, that's the scary yep. part. And as a bigger body as well. Uh, Zach Moss, running back, Utah. Uh, probably pushing third round. Uh, I don't think he's going to test particularly well after that. the, you know, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, and some of the Blazers yep. like Darius Anderson that you're going to get excited by four four speed, but probably a day th or a round three potentially an early round four type of back in my opinion. I've made comparisons to Jordan Howard in the past. Yep. I think he's kind of a, a, lot a similar of, lot kind of player. Kareem Hunt comps as well with his mm -hmm. contact bounce. Yep. Uh, Henry Ruggs, first-round pick. Yeah, yeah. We, I don't think we need to say too much there. Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, Ben, you talked about, a little, about him a little bit last week. It seems like most people have him in that day-two range right now. I think he's going to be one of the more uh, divisive players because he has the big splash plays, the impressive interceptions, the name, the pedigree. I don't think he's that good of a football player, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think he's going to test well. I don't know what he does well. I don't know if he has the speed to play on the back end. I don't know if he has the coverage skills to match up man-to-man. -man. I don't know if he has the size to come down and play in the box. Mm. So um, instinctive player, smart player, but now I just need to see where his physical traits separate him. Uh, next up, uh, Troy Pride, C-Mac, a guy you and I saw was one of the best players at Mobile from start to finish, I thought, had a really good week of practice. Easily. Shut down corner, was you know very athletic. That was a big thing that you had said beforehand was he's a very athletic player, but those tools didn't really always carry over to the football field. Well, didn't seem like that was an issue whatsoever. The senior bowl, yep. loved the matchup with James Prochet, who's a savvy route runner. Uh, I think we talked about Denzel Mims a short time ago. You know, he was one of the players who got beat over, was able to beat Pride during the week of practice at the Senior Bowl, but thought he really helped his stock there down in Mobile. Troy Pride, I think, went from a day three guy, potentially, I think, with what he did in Mobile, because he's going to test well in Indy, and everyone's going to remember the kind of athlete, yeah. track guy at Notre Dame, so this guy that, that has performed at a high level, he could be a day two guy. Like, I could see him going, like, 
second, third round. And similar team, like we were saying earlier, Michigan, UCLA, underperforming as a team. Yep. Tons of talent up and down that wow. roster, and they're all over uh, the combine in Indianapolis. Ben, I think you're the only guy that's watched Chris Claybrooks so far. What oh, are your yeah. On Chris Claybrooks. Yeah, Memphis, list? corner. Yeah, what are your thoughts there? Uh, 6'1", 200, ran official, 4-2-5 in yep. summer walk-on tryouts two years ago. A uh, really good bowl game or conference championship game where I think he had a pick, a hustle play down the field, forced fumble, kickoff return touchdown as well. Uh, probably a day three player. Okay. We'll see where he tests, if he can maybe make a name for himself, squeeze into that 4-2 range. But um, probably a back-end day three player that's going to have to squeeze his way uh, through the back of a roster. Uh, last two players here. Akeem Davis-Gaither I talked about in the last segment. We kind of see him as an early day three kind of player, linebacker. He, he out could of squeeze State. into day two with a good Test performance yep. in the combine. People see the way Fred Warner is kind of projected, yep. and he could end up being that type of player. And Derek Brown, the defense attack from Auburn, he's going to be a top 10, top 12, yeah. top 7, top five he's gonna he's gonna go uh, i was just area. doing his xo the other day for dj and when i get to see some of the close-up like melts and highlights isn't i just kept writing down bull in a china shop bull in a china shop he doesn't necessarily always have moves you can't stop him he is so large so powerful so explosive does that carry do you think that carries i don't know over? i don't know like that's my question because he looks in his presence and his style is like fletcher cox but fletch is so Technical with his hands and that track stance first step, and he can club rip you. I don't really see a freak athlete. No question. I think think he is too, but without the refinement in his game with the hand usage and things like that. I mean, Fletch will club you on the side of the head, he'll rip through you. Like he knows how to get to space. Brown just looks like he's just a monster of a size. And uh, I I open up my XO with a play where he chased out to the sideline and I just start it. A bunch of those. He just looks like a literally like a wildebeest, like hunting down his prey. Like his. Wildebeest eat grass, though. Well, they'll, they'll, dabble, they'll, they'll dabble on some meat too. Right? Wildebeest are the ones they're the, they're the ones being chased well, by the cheetahs. Man, and like a water buffalo, water buffalo. I think they just eat grass too. We're not done with this conversation. <laughs> Derek Brown, animal comp. All right, All right? We'll, put we'll, it in the we'll, comments we'll, section we'll this week. Next week. All right. Uh, next one, Mike Tom Bosco. Uh, real, real simple here. Grant Delpit, first round of 21. Zach Bond, the Wisconsin edge edge player, potential linebacker, second round. Denzel Mims, third round, wide receiver from Baylor. Jason Strobridge, the defensive end from North Carolina, uh, was next. Trajan Bandy, the Miami corner, uh, was in the fourth round, I believe that's fourth round. Jacob Phillips, linebacker, LSU, an underclassman uh, there in the fifth round. And then Benjamin Victor, the Ohio State wide receiver, to round it out. Any thoughts, uh, takeaways there? Strowbridge, versatile, can yep, play, especially player. in this system, could yep. play end, could play tackle. Very productive at the Senior Bowl. Yep. Delpit obviously makes sense because of the questions that we brought up earlier at defensive back uh, in the league. It's a question of Great range. style, yep. the range, but you're also going to need someone who can play in the box, and can yep. Delpit do that? That's going to be a big question with him. Bond in the system would be interesting. Like, what, what would his role be? Would he be a pure defensive end? Would he be a, a linebacker and early downs and come down? We talked about those kind of guys uh, last week on the show. Like, what would his role be in this system? I think would be very interesting. I really like the player on film. It's just a matter of, like, what would he be in this system? Probably not that different from a. Uh Brandon Graham coming out of Michigan and projecting to that outside linebacker. Can we zone drop him? But the speaking uncertainties with these types of players, versatile player, can play off ball if you need. 
How do you know? He hasn't right. played off ball in his career. He right. did dabble at the Senior Bowl a little bit, look comfortable. Yep. But I'm not willing to say that these are just easy transitions. That will linebacker position is not a catch-all for undersized edges, oversized safeties. Everyone thinks you just shove them into that athletic athletic linebacker spot. It's not that easy. And it's it's not just about the moving in reverse because he did plenty of that yeah. playing off the edge. It's the if you're moving from playing down on the line of scrimmage off the tight end to now playing off the ball stacked in the B gap or the A gap, you're seeing the game from a completely different no angle, reading things Looking from different guards, the triangle whole reads are different. different yeah, read. like, like so it's a it's a projection. Now for not sure. saying it can't be done. There are examples of, of success. Course. But just the certainty of saying he can do this because right. he's an undersized edge, I think this the speaking in certainties is a little bit uh dangerous to do. Right. We got two more here. Scouts doubt. Hi, Fran, Ben, and Chris. Me and my dad love the show, listen every week, and have been trying to do some of our own scouting reports this year, especially on the wide receivers. Here's our mock draft that we came up with. Number one, uh, Henry Ruggs in the first round. Second round, Trayvon Diggs. Whew. All right, we're all, we're all, we're all <laughs> running here we're the first two rounds. Uh, third, third round, Denzel Mims, the speed receiver from Baylor. Fourth round, Bradley Anai, the defensive end from Utah. Another fourth round pick, Jabari Zaniga, the defensive end from Florida. Damian Lewis, we talked about him at the top of the show with uh, Jim Nagy. Jeremy Chin, uh, the safety from Southern Illinois. Julian Blackman, the safety, former corner uh, from Utah in the fifth round. Francis Bernard what in the draft. sixth round. Antonio Gandy-Golden in the seventh round. A bunch of senior bowl names there. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, it's, it's a pretty good group. There's a lot, a lot to like there. a really good group. Yeah. Fran, we've seen Francis Bernard a couple times here. I'll be interested to see how he tests. Remember last year, uh, Sione Takitaki uh, from BYU yep. stood out the Shrine Bowl, got called up to the Senior Bowl, had good weeks of practice at both. Solid uh, production over the course of his career. Good final year. Check boxes along the way. Solid combine. Ended up going third round. Like, right, yeah. Wouldn't shock me if that happened with Francis Bernard. Like I think he could be like late day two. It wouldn't surprise me if he uh, went off the board. That's that's a great that's fourth a round right there. You could walk away with Bradley and I, Jabari Zaniga, and Damian Lewis. Those three players in the is it the, is that with all the I think fours so. Mean? Yeah, dude. I'll tell you what. Like I love, I love the team when they when they come out of drafts and it's like they've got four picks in the third round or four picks in the fourth round because they always come away with players and you're like man like. That's a good group of guys to come out because that's all the meat of a draft. And so, if you came out with a draft, obviously, I'm assuming there are trades involved here. Uh, that would be that would be very very interesting. I group. like Bradley and I a lot. Yeah. Violent player, great senior bowl. Yep. Gave all the top tackles in the Pac-12 problems, whether it's Trey Adams or Austin Jackson. I want a guy on the roster that's like hunting up our depth chart. Yeah. That's saying like I'm coming for your spots, the Sharif Millers and stuff. I'm coming for you. Right. Like, and I think the the mid round picks are all about that competition on the back end of the roster. Andre Dillard a year ago at the Senior Bowl told me Bradley and I was the best player he faced in the Pac-12. Another uh, one yeah. in the previous year in 2018. It'll be interesting to do this exercise when the Eagles get their compensatory picks. Oh yeah, yeah. always because yep. they're going to jump up to ten most likely. And no question. And we'll see a bunch of these guys. Uh, last one from Headless Chicken Monster. All right, left a comment this morning. Okay, said you guys are great. Thanks for all the info. Here's my overcomplicated Eagles six round mock. So this includes a trade Miami with Miami Fun. Eagles moving up to Let's eighteen. All right, so uh, and he left some explanations for each of these picks. So uh, Eagles trading up to eighteen, taking Henry Ruggs. He is fast. We know that. And Henry Ruggs, we know. He's, checks, we out. Talk about checks out. Checks out. Round two, Bryce Hall. We, don't have to talk, we haven't talked too much about Bryce Hall. Uh, was in round one mocks, a corner from Virginia. 
I want to say over the last two years, this kid, he broke a bone in his leg, I believe, right? Early in the season, missed most of this past year. I think it was a broken leg. Yeah, um, ankle or something. So he put in his in quotes. Nasty injury. Too, uh, yeah. yeah, can do what the Eagles defense asks of him. More of a zone corner for sure. Really good ball skills. Like yes. the way he uh, plays the football in the air. He's a competitive kid as well. Uh, round three, Jordan Elliott, the Mizzou defensive tackle. He said definitely a stretch that he falls, but is an interesting prospect. I would say that's... That's okay, someone's going to fall. Board, it yeah. happens. Uh, round three as well. Kayvon Wallace, he said, the way Fran talks about him, he sounds like he's Jalen Jelks as a safety. I knew that. I told C-Mac I as I was getting ready for mean? the show, I said, there's going to be one line that I drop in this podcast that is going to make C-Mac laugh. And, and, and I, that's it. You were <laughs> a big Jalen Jelks guy I, early he on. Was, and he knows I'm a big Kayvon Wallace yeah. fan. Yeah, I, was, Jalen Jel- I was a big Jalen Jelks fan last year. He spent the year on uh, injured reserve down in Dallas this past season. I, I was just thinking at the beginning of the segment, I was like, Fran said there's going to be a point where I lose it here. And I'm, like, it. and I'm like waiting for it, waiting for it here. So but The way Fran talks about it, it sounds like he's a Jalen Jelks as a safety, which is outstanding. Uh, round four, so it was a long-time listener. Which, which yeah. is great. Uh, round four, Shaq Quarterman, the linebacker from Miami. He stood out to us down at the Brian Shrine Bowl. Bowl yep. Four-year starter for the Hurricanes. Uh, round five, Calvin Throckmorton. He said, versatile depth piece who could hopefully replace uh, Halapulavati Vitae, who's, uh, who's uh, entering free agency. Uh, I missed one. Round four, Benjamin Victor, the wide receiver from Ohio State. And he mm. said this about both Quarterman and Victor. He said they were both developmental depth who can contribute on special teams. That's what he said Fair. about both yeah, those good. guys. Uh, round six, Josh Kelly said he's got the pedigree of football in his family and he is Chip's son. Now, <laughs> Kelly is spelled differently. He has an extra E in there, so he is not, in fact, Chip Kelly's son. So uh, appreciate the the sarcasm yeah. there uh, from the headless chicken monster. But uh, I enjoyed that as much as the uh, no, yeah, so the, but jokes line. Josh Kelly's a good player. Uh, you yeah. know, we, we've talked about yeah. him. We talked. Jim talked about it at the top of the show. Um, no, it's uh, it was good. It was fun. I, we'll, we'll do that again uh, at some point, maybe oh, in a few more yeah. few more weeks. Like uh, when we hit that like that that dead period between you know between combine but during just like, visits. Keep and stuff. It. Well, we that's could, the thing. It's like if you could you no, could always send it. You just go on. Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, you leave us a rating, you leave a comment with your mock draft, and we'll talk about it. Don't just wait for that episode, but <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it's a, it's a great way to was support Stockmore the show. Was the one I uh, compared to Sa- uh, Sam Allo? It was. I was thinking about, about My that My Oregon linemen are all blurring together right now. Bradley Aello and yeah. Jake Hansen and Warmack and, no, and Shane uh, Lemieux. And- we talked about Bradley and I and how he said that Andre Dillard, or Andre Dillard said that Bradley and I was the best player. Right. Uh, when I asked Bradley and I who was the best player he faced, he went with another Oregon lineman. He went with Penny Sewell, who will be the tackle next year. Right. It's all, it's all a big circle. Is he the one who received a Heisman vote? Yeah. Uh, ooh, did he receive a Heisman vote? I didn't see that. Yeah. I thought Feldman. I know he, he was definitely deserving of it. With I know dominant, Feldman. He's, he's, Fel- yeah. Feldman was someone, Bruce Feldman was someone who, I I don't know if he definitely gave him one, but actually put him in the, wrote oh, an article that. about putting him in that conversation. Great, great tackle class this year. I already have a good 15 to 20 names for next year. There's a go. Which... <laughs> It's a dying breed, that tackle position. It's about to revitalize the next two years. You need to get your animal comparisons in order before right. we start talking about uh, uh, the tackles for 2021. But, all right, guys, this is a fun show. Next week, we're going to be going really, really deep into the combine and just talking about uh, everything we can expect. We're going to have uh, the Eagles West Coast area scout Ryan Myers will be on the show next week. Kind of just take us inside the life of an NFL scout Tiny. out in Indianapolis. Yeah, which will be a lot of fun. He's, he tells some great stories, so that'll be a fun interview uh, to start next week's episode. We'll dive into everything we expect to see in Indianapolis. Until then, we will see you next week here on the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA.